listening to a message from Red Church in Melbourne, Australia. If you'd like to know more about Red or its ministries, please go to redchurch.org.au. I'm the AIM service pastor, and it's great to be with you tonight. It's great to be with you. Um, We're in a series called More Than Me Every Day. More Than Me Every Day. What's this series about? And the whole series, I reckon, I was thinking about this, and really it's, uh, you could summarise it as, I think this, the, we have this, this modern world, this post-enlightenment thought that there's this, there's this natural physical world, and then there's this spiritual world, and there's just this divide between the two. And really what this series is about is just explaining that that's not true. There's just one created world. God just created a world. And it's a physical, spiritual world that we live in. It's just one world. And really what this series, this series has been about is, is just explaining about how we can live in that knowledge that this is, one, this is God's created world. It's a physical, spiritual world. And how do we just live, live that out in our every day? So that's the series we've been in. There's been some really practical stuff that we've, um, we've put into practice uh, during this series last week in the AM service. I wasn't here for the PM. In the AM service, Mark just got us to say a blessing over each other. Just a really simple thing that we can do in this spiritual, physical world that has, it's just a, a physical thing that we go and do, but it has spiritual echoes, consequences, it creates stuff. Um, so that's what this series is about. Tonight, we're just going to be talking about um, how to do that in front of others, how to live in that posture in front of others. Um, so join me in the Bible. We're going to turn to page 741 of the Red Pew Bibles. If you don't have a Bible at home, this is our gift to you. Grab it, scroll your name in it, take it. It's not stealing. And we're going to, we're going to be talking from John 4. I'm going to get my clicker in my pocket as well. So page 741. Now, Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptising more disciples than John, although, in fact, it wasn't Jesus who baptised, but his disciples. I love that. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now, he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Shah, near the plot of of ground of Jacob uh, that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? (gasps) Shock horror. That's my little subtext. His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks for you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, said the woman, you have nothing to draw from with from the you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock? 
Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming back here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have have had five husbands, and the man you are now with is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will follow the Father in the spirit and in the truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I am the one, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. I, um, I absolutely love this passage of scripture. I, uh, it excites me. This, uh, this tangible example of Jesus speaking into someone's life. Jesus just rocking up to alongside someone at the well and speaking into their life. It's that I love conversations where you just get to speak truth, speak life into people. It's just there's nothing greater than seeing someone in front of you in real time come to revelation, seeing God speak through you and give words to another and seeing them come alive and realise. There's no better feeling in the world, I reckon. And that's why I just love this this passage. It's just a phenomenal work of God into others' lives. But actually, when I think about this, this actually hasn't always been true for me. I used to, like, really fear this. Like, really fear this. I I came to faith in my 20s, um, and I'm from England. Some people can pick it, some people can't. I... um, (laughs) Some people find that funny, some people don't. Um, And being British, you're very, very conservative. I think um, I've probably, I don't think I've had a genuine conversation about feelings or emotions or anything like that at the dinner table at home ever. Um, English people, the stiff upper lip thing is true. We're kind of, we just don't, let's don't talk about emotions and pretend everything's okay. That was the way I was brought up. Um, So when I came to faith and people said, this thing that's central to your core, the most important thing in your life. Yeah, just go and tell people. I was like, oh, that's, um, that's not probably what I'm going to do. Do I have to do that? Does everyone have to do that? Surely I can get away with not doing I'm British, don't they know? I'm British. We don't talk about feelings. So this was my journey for a while. It was a daunting, scary thing to share my, my personal faith with others. Um, so much so that I was convicted one day when I heard from, um, uh, in, in a sermon, this guy was, was talking about developing our faith. 
Now, I'm a planner. I've, I've always had like a little savings plan where you're kind of tracking how much, you know, you're saving each month and I've had a career plan and I've, that's been drilled into me at work and you have a little career plan and I thought to myself, well, why don't I do myself a faith plan, a faith development plan? So I, uh, so I set about doing this little faith development plan and I decided, yeah, look, I really don't share. I don't share my faith with others. So what I'll do is I'll just set myself a, a goal. I set myself a smart goal, something measurable. Um, <laughs> so I, um, I decided, I decided, well, 12 months, it's a 12-month plan, so I decided 12 people, that'd be a good idea. 12 people, one a month, I'm just gonna, and this was the bar, this is how low my bar was. Like, it wasn't even, like, bring someone into the kingdom of God. Like, that wasn't my bar. My bar was, mention to 12 people over 12 months that I go to church. That's <laughs> where, it was a really low bar. Anyway, I, um, month one, I didn't do too well. I, I successfully did it none. That's zero. Uh, month two was pretty similar. In fact, actually, when I reflected back a year later on that, I think I'd had two conversations with people that I hadn't let them know I go to church. So I was pretty, I was pretty bad at sharing my faith. Then, um, then fast forward a few years, and uh, I'd got married, and we got the opportunity to go to Perth. And uh, so we, my new wife and I, we packed up and we, we moved to Perth for a job for a couple of years. And um, we, we're in that weird situation where you've got a church shop um, when you're new to a city. And I, I, we tried a few different churches and eventually we settled at this church. And it was, it was really, um, it was kind of just felt real. People were genuine followers of Christ there. And you, you will have seen them in this church. But it was quite new to me, this, these people that were just pursuing God in their lives. And it was quite captivating. I, um, there were just authentic sermons. It was good worship. But this, this theme of sharing your faith kept playing over and over. And I was probably getting more and more convicted that actually I need to share my faith with people. And I'm still, this is a roadblock for me. It's something that I'm finding hard. So I looked around in the church and I was like, well, look at the people that are really good at doing it. And I'll just copy that. So I looked around and uh, a friend of mine, Shane, Shano, this guy, huge influence on my life, a bit older than me, um, been married a few more years than me, had a few kids. He just, just had this ability to speak into people's lives. So I started watching him. He, start, he actually befriended us, new to Perth. And um, I don't know if you've met these people. The, I call them the, these Christians that just tend to speak a different language. They just, um, he would just... We would we'd go around his for dinner and he'd start the meal by saying, hey, should we just pray? And he didn't, it wasn't this grace, bless this food, Lord, amen. It was actually, he was like, bless this time together and let us let the Holy Spirit come in this, in this room. It was confronting for me. It was a bit, I'm conservative British, but he seemed to enjoy it, so he just went with it. He, he was one of these guys that, did, that didn't, didn't dander around on just fluff conversation. He wanted to have meaningful conversation. He wanted to, to speak with meaning. And it, it, the amount of times that he just said things that it was like he was speaking to my soul. Have you ever had those moments with people in church where they just have this, this insight to speak into your soul? And he just prayed. He prayed for me. When I talked about my stuff, he just stopped and said, let's pray about it and lay a hand on my shoulder. It was, it was a pretty... Um, it was influential in my life. He really spoke into my life. Now, Shane um, had a ministry. He had a street evangelism ministry. He used to go out every week 
you go out into the streets, um, streets of Perth. And there's a lot, there was, at the time, there was quite a big homelessness problem in Perth. The mining boom had just come off. People were living big on huge wages and then they'd lose their jobs. And just, uh, like, there were so many 30-ish-year-old guys just living on the streets. And Shane just had this real heart for these people. And he used to, he used to go out and have this, and I'd heard about this street evangelism that he did. And then Shane always used to seem to be bringing, every other week, bringing different people to church. These guys would be rocking up, and you'd get ch- talking to someone at the back of the church, and we're like, so who do you know? How do you, you? How do you tell him? He was like, oh, I've just talked to Shane on the street. And yeah, didn't know Jesus, but then I spoke to Shane. And I'm like, how is he just sharing and bringing people into the kingdom? I'm, I was captivated. So I, um, I decided, well, I'm just going to go with Shane. I'm just going to, I'm not sharing my faith with anyone. This is something I need to front up. This is something I need to conquer. This is something I just need to just get past my fear, and I just need to have a crack. I'm just going to get in the game, and I'm going to go and do it. So I, um, so I said to Shane, hey, do you, go, you go every week, don't you? Yes. One Thursday, can I come along? He's like, oh, yeah, come this Thursday. Oh, I was hoping for a bit more time to prepare, actually. <laughs> but um, okay. So I did what um, any strong, confident male does. I went home and I said to Joanna, oh, Shane's invited you and I to... <laughs> and I dragged her along, a little comfort blanket. And um, so I went out. Now, this is, this is my first evangelism experience. So I wanted to share this with you. So it was, wasn't that cold. It's Perth. It's never really that cold in Perth. But we're walking these streets and... I was kind of like always a few metres, either alongside or a few metres behind Shane. He was just talking to people and just having chats with people. And, and I'm like, oh, and I'm kind of stood around behind Shane. Oh, Shane's having a private conversation. I'll stand over here for a bit. Anyway, about an hour or two passes. And, uh, and I haven't spoken to anyone. I haven't shared the gospel. with. I haven't invited, no one's come to salvation on my watch yet. And I'm like, oh, Ryan, you just got to do it. You just got to conquer your fear. Anyway, a moment in time, Shane said, I think we might get going soon. Like, um, it's getting a bit late. I know, but I haven't, I haven't shared the gospel with anyone yet, Shane. So we stood there, and I see this guy. We're kind of in this public kind of space in Perth, and there's a seat over there, and there's this guy sat on his own. I was like, right, well, that's it. He's the guy. I'm just going to go and share the gospel. So I walk over to this guy. This is my impression of the interaction. I'm nervously walking. I come up alongside him, and this guy kind of looks at me, like it's late, it's dark, looks up at me, and he goes, hello. And I say, um, I just uh, wanted you to know that Jesus loves you. <laughs> this is the face. He goes, <laughs> yeah, okay, mate. And then I just stood there. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know if I, I don't, I don't know what reaction I was expecting, but I was like, just stood there prob- awkwardly, I would say awkwardly for, it felt like an hour, it was probably only a few seconds, and I said, anyway, have a great night. And it's off. So that was my big, big, you know, fanfare arrival into the world of evangelism. I would categorise it as an epic fail. I reckon it probably took me a good couple of years to recover from that moment. I walked away from that moment thinking, yeah, I'm just, that's just not me. I'm not an evangelist. I don't, I, it's not my, you know, it's not my gift. It's not my role. Like, I've got other things to do in the kingdom. 
But actually, actually what happened in that moment is I was just confused about what evangelism is. I was just confused about what um, the role is of an evangelist. And they say wise people learn from other people's mistakes. So I made myself look incredibly stupid so you lovely people don't have to. So I'm going to give, this is going to be my lessons learned of what I should have done and what I wish I knew now, what I know now and what I wish I knew then. So we've been reading as we've gone through this series, this book, it's a great book, it's available at the bookshelf at the back. Um, It's called Everyday Supernatural. And um, in this book, Mike and Andy, they talk about the different types of evangelism, the different types of evangelism. And this is what they say they are. There's four different core types of evangelism. Number one, friendship evangelism. This is pretty self-explanatory. This is um, the people that you've brought alongside. This is the friends that you've already got in your life. This is the um, friends in the church and outside of the church. Um, And this is who you do friendship evangelism with. The second one is proclamation evangelism. So this is where we proclaim a truth. We proclaim the truth of the gospel over people. This is where um, we make those proclamations. Type three is persuasion evangelism. Listen really carefully now. This is not chasing people and convincing them that they're wrong. This is when people come to us with questions, when they ask us why, when people start asking us what our view is and why we think differently. This is when we offer our version, our truth. We offer the gospel into that and we persuade people um, to follow Christ. And then number four there is servant evangelism. Again, pretty self-explanatory. This is the people that you serve with your talent, with your time, with your, um, with your money, with your giftings. This is, this is um, servant evangelism. So the guys, Mike and Andy, they speak about these four different types uh, of evangelism. And then they speak about a fifth type. And the fifth type is power evangelism. So power evangelism is where God comes in and does some stuff. We can do the first four. Only God can do the the fifth. Power evangelism isn't necessarily a stand-alone type of evangelism. It's really interesting. Um, Absolutely, there's moments where God may call you to go and give a word to someone, some stranger sat on a bench. That may happen in your life. There's, I've heard stories of this happening in people's lives where they're just given a word, they go up, they make a declaration to a complete stranger that they've never met before and that person receives that and is pointed towards Christ and starts to know or becomes a follower of Jesus. That absolutely happens. However, power evangelism also permeates all four other types of evangelism. So in our friendships, in our proclamations, in our persuasion, in servant-hearted evangelism, when we're operating those four, power power evangelism can come in. I've reflected on why what I did had no impact and why Shane could seemingly do that all the time. And really, Shane, my friend, with his street ministry, was operating in all four. He was doing it weekly. There were guys on the street that he would see every week. He was coming alongside them. He was being a friend to them. He spent time with people. He wasn't always spending time proclaiming or persuading or being servant-hearted. He was just spending time. He was just coming alongside these guys. 
But when the time came and people were seeking it, he would proclaim the truth into their lives. When they had questions, he would offer a response. And he would often take food with him and just bless these guys with food. So shame was operating in his ministry in all four. And because he was operating in all four, it was easy in those interactions for moments of power evangelism to come in where he just spoke boldly into their lives. And then they came to faith and started coming to church. In Everyday Supernatural, there's this great quote. I'm just going to read this to you. One of the main stumbling blocks to power evangelism is that in the beginning, we just make it too hard for ourselves. We divorce it from the other types of evangelism. And so we think we're only really doing power evangelism if we're regularly approaching strangers in shops. Instead, power evangelism should infuse all our proclamation, persuasion, and personal evangelism. The main place this begins for most of us is in the context of the relationships we already have. Before we rush off to find some strangers to pray for, let's ask ourselves whether we are praying for our non-Christian family, friends, and neighbours. When they were last sick, did we ask if we could pray for healing and lay hands on them? When they were stressed, did we ask God for a word that would strengthen, encourage, and comfort them? Are we even regularly praying for each other in our churches? As one of our friends often says, the meeting place is the learning place for the marketplace. If we aren't consistently praying for each other in church, we're unlikely to be able to pray for people in the pub. When I... Um, when we t mapped out the series and we um, were planning the weeks, we kind of spoke as a team teaching group about we should really, one of the active um, ways in which we live at the everyday supernatural in this spiritual, physical world in which we live is bringing our faith to others, is speaking to others. And I was like, shotgun, I want to do that week. I love having conversations with people that don't have faith. I find myself in them all the time. When I started planning out this, um, this sermon, I, I wrote down, I just wrote down, right, over the last two weeks, just think, Ryan, what, what, what are some stories that I could use? I actually wrote down seven conversations, which I'm like, wow, the Lord spoke profoundly into someone's life just in the last two weeks that I've had the pleasure of being in with people. So I wanted to stand here today and kind of question, well, what's changed? How did I go from that awkward next to a stranger to, oh, this is part of my walk. This is just how I live. Something's changed. So I wanted to unpack with you how that change happened. And that change has really happened over the last probably three to four years. So the first thing I've realised is that I just started watching. Just started watching and observing people in church. I just started watching for the people that um, speak with insight, speak with um, authority, speak with truth, 
speak with powerful words. And I started observing them and thinking, well, what are they doing? How, how are they able to do that? There's some commonality that you'll see in people that, there's people in this church that you see this, people that have words, people that um, have pictures, people that, um, people that speak boldly into the lives of others. And the commonality is that they love Jesus, they want to follow Jesus, that they're praying and they're reading the Bible. That's probably, bar no one, um, without exception, that is always the case. So I started seeing that and, I was, and I'm adopting these practices. But it still wasn't me. I still wasn't doing what they were doing. I was adopting these practices, but I still wasn't doing what they were doing. So then I started doing a few different things. I started doing three main things, I reckon. These are my three things for you. If you want to have powerful impact into the lives of others, these are the three things that I would encourage you to do. The first is this. I realised in my life I treated people as a resource. I think I've been programmed it at work. I saw people as a means to an end. Um, and I think I treated people in the friendships that way. Um, my sphere, and I realised I didn't have a huge capacity for love of others. So I just started praying about that. I just saw people in this church whose hearts genuinely broke for others. And I was like, I want that. I want, I want that heart for others. So I started asking God for it. I started praying, God, give me your heart for others. Give me your love for others. So that's number one. That may be you, you maybe uh, may don't have this burning love of Jesus for other people. And that's my encouragement to you. Start praying for that love of Jesus to come into your heart. Start praying to experience Je- Jesus' heart for others. I've got to tell you, be careful because when you start praying for it, it happens. I've been in conversation with people and I've just been brought to tears where I'm like experiencing Jesus' heart for them. It's powerful, it's beautiful, and then you know the posture in which you can pray into people's lives. So that's the first thing. Start praying for a heart for Jesus' flock, for his people. Number two, the, the second thing I started to do, I stopped waiting for the fear of stepping out to go, and I started just stepping out despite that fear. More powerful than that, I then started praying for the fear to go. I started praying to be, to to have a lack of self-awareness, to have a lack of self-consciousness when I went and spoke to people. So that's my second big tip. My second big tip is, and fear is so big in our society, the enemy will keep us paralysed by fear. When we ignore that fear, when we pray against that fear, when we walk against that fear, we're then a useful tool. We're a useful tool for the kingdom. And you'll start to see God flowing through the words that you speak. So praying for the heart of people, ignoring the fear, praying against that fear, stepping out despite. And then the third thing I started to do, I actually started praying for the conversations it was, um, it was really interesting. I, just, I, just started, I decided that I'm just going to pray every morning over my conversation. So right at the start of the day, I would get up and I'd just say, um, just a simple prayer, Lord, today's your day. Lead me into conversations today in Jesus' name. 
I just started doing that. It was literally a baby step on this, this journey. It's amazing as you did that, as I did that, I started to have conversations and then I was encouraged by it, so I started to pray more. I got to a point where um, quite regularly now I'll be in those moments where you're changing rooms in whatever it is that you're doing. You're going from one thing to another. Um, I've done it when I'm stood on a curbside waiting for an Uber to arrive. And I'm like, Lord, I just want to pray over this conversation I'm going to have with this Uber driver before this Uber driver arrives. And then 20 minutes later, you're walking out. I'm walking out like a stunned mother going, I can't believe I just had that God conversation. But it started because I started praying for these conversations. I prayed for these conversations. More profound than that, there was this moment. Actually, it was, I debriefed with someone after prayer. There's two things in prayer. So I stood here, it was the AM service, and you know, I think Trudy had asked me to be a prayer, so I put the lanyard on, so I'm qualified, I put the lanyard on. And I stood over there and, and someone came up, and I used to be petrified. I'm like, please don't come to me, don't make eye contact, go for someone else for prayer, what would I say? And then the person's in front of me, and I'm like, okay, close my eyes, please, give me something to say. Someone said to me, why don't you just ask them what they want prayer for? Oh, that seems so obvious because we're in a physical, spiritual world and the person coming for prayer knows why they're coming for prayer. <laughs> so you can just ask them, why, why would you like prayer? So obvious. The conversation, get the dialogue going. Don't expect God just to come in and just give you supernatural, which he can, but it seems obvious just to start a conversation at the start of prayer. So I started doing that. And then there was this even more profound realisation that actually, if I want to speak into this, I'm not qualified. And someone said to me, well, why don't you just pray while, you're li- while you listen? It is when we pray, when we listen as people unpack their lives and when we pray for God to use us to speak into that, he will use it. When we pray as people unpack in front of us, When we listen to God, he'll give us words, he'll give us pictures, he'll give us um, authority to speak into. So they're the three things I started doing around prayer. I started praying every morning, then I started praying regularly through my day as I stepped into different conversations, and then I started praying as I was listening to others and asking God, what do you want to say into this? So my three big tips take away. Pray for God to give you a heart for people. Pray off fear, anxiety. Pray into a healthy lack of self-awareness so you can step forward. And pray for your conversations. Pray for your conversations in the morning. Pray for them through the day and pray during your conversation. God wants to speak powerfully through you into the lives of those bringing to you. That's what God wants to do. God wants to use you as his mouthpiece into this world. God is already bringing, has already brought people around you that he wants you to speak into their lives. When we do this, when we step out and speak God's encouragement, God's truth, God's blessing, as we did last week, into the lives of others. When we pray for people, stuff changes. 
The spiritual atmosphere changes around us. But as Andy and Mike reflected, we're unlikely to do it out there unless we start doing it in here. God wants to speak powerfully through you into the lives of those he has brought to you. Look around to your right and left. This is a safe space. This is actually a training ground. This is a training ground from which we can practice things that mean that when we go out there, it becomes second nature. That's what a church is. This is a body of um, believers. I've never, in a church setting, had someone come up to me with an encouragement, a blessing, or a prayer, and I've gone, nah, not really interesting today, interested today. Nah. (laughs) I'm a Christian. If any of you have a word of encouragement for me, come and give it. I'll take it. If you want to pray for my strengthening, if you want to speak potential into my life, if you've got a word for me, please come and give it to me. That's actually what we should be doing as the church, as a people of God. If we're doing that into the lives of each other, it'll just become second nature out there. The Lord wants to speak powerfully through you into the lives of those he's brought to you. What Shane did, my friend back in that church, is he spoke this language. When he met with me around the dinner table, when we're in the church place, what he would often speak is just God's potential. He would speak God's potential into my life. He'd speak truth. As I unpack my thoughts, he'd help align me to to God's way for my life. And Shane prayed for me. He prayed for me, he prayed with me, he prayed over me. That's what we need to start doing as a body of believers so that when it becomes so normal in here, it'll just become second nature out there. I want to go back quickly to to John 4 and I just want to pull out a few observations about John 4 um, as we we walk this out in our lives. The first is this from um, verses 3 and 4. It says, so he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. I absolutely love this. He was kind of nowhere. He was just on the way to somewhere. This profound moment of evangelism that we read in scripture, Jesus was on the journey from somewhere to somewhere and it happens just on the journey. I just find that so encouraging. Probably the moments where I've experienced the most powerful evangelism that God's used me in have been those moments where I'm in a taxi on the road somewhere or I'm in a conversation on the moment between. It just becomes part of life. When it just becomes part of how we, how we live, that's when we'll experience powerful evangelism. My second observation... Jacob's well was there. In, uh, in ancient kingdom times, wells were really important. Wells, uh, you had them in your kingdom and you needed them for your kingdom to flourish. You actually needed them for your people, not to just flourish, but su- to survive. So wells were important. That's how your cattle was fed as well as your people. And actually these, these wells, the Abraham was taken out into a land and dug wells um, in, in Genesis, it says that Isaac redug those worlds, 
um, those wells, whether it was this well that was inherited by Jacob or one he's done his own, I don't know. But what we do know is that um, wells have spiritual significance. Wells are a physical place that represent a spiritual truth. People come to wells when they're thirsty. Sounds really obvious. You have two types of thirsty people. You have people that know they're thirsty and you have people that don't know they're thirsty. Everyone in this room, I think, knows they're thirsty. Thirsty for the things of God. It's pretty easy to give a word to someone that knows that they're thirsty because they're thirsty. It's nourishing. Then there's people that that haven't had their thirst quenched yet. This is that Samaritan woman that Jesus is speaking to. This is people that haven't yet felt the love of Jesus in their life, experienced the love of Jesus. These are people that don't yet know what this living water feels like to accept into their hearts. And they don't know what it it feels like to have that thirst. Maybe there's some people that are in that boat here tonight. Maybe there's people that um, haven't yet experienced this living water for yourself, if that's you, if you've come here tonight and you haven't yet experienced Jesus' living water, there's an invitation. There's an invitation at the end of this service to come and get prayer, to just accept Jesus into your life and experience this nourishing, this living water into your life. My next observation. How can you ask me for a drink? Says the woman. This is the... Shock moment. Jews don't speak to Samaritans. Rabbis don't speak to women. Jesus breaks down all those boundaries. He actually has a conversation of dignity and respect. It's a conversation of dignity and respect. Jesus hasn't got a placard on and is angrily shouting at people and campaigning against. He's having a conversation of dignity and respect. He's doing that out of a love for this person. If in our evangelism we're not stepping out in love with this heart for the other, if we're not stepping into these conversations with dignity and respect, we're likely doing it wrong. My next observation, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. What Jesus does is place truth and step back and invite in. He doesn't force it upon the other. He just places truth and steps back and invites in. When we're in conversations, our role is to speak truth, is to speak love, speak joy, speak peace, speak blessing, as we did last week, into the life of the other. How they respond is not our role. Our role is to place the invitation, as Jesus did. And then in this dialogue uh, with the Samaritan at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well, there's then this response. There's this, sir, please give me this water. What I love about this passage is Jesus' next step is the power evangelism step. It's this spiritual insight into circumstance that is beyond the human eye. You can't see this in the human eye. We can do all the rest. We can um, 
understand that um, it's just part of our life and we're going to embody it. We can um, understand that there's these, there's these physical places that represent the spiritual tr truth and we've got to know that there's these thirsty people in the world. Um, we can have conversations of dignity and respect. We can be invitational. The person's response is really their business. But power evangelism, this is where God comes in and God does it. Two observations about this. Power evangelism, God's word always builds up and edifies. Even when Jesus is giving some really hard truths about this uh, woman and how she's living her life, he does it with love, indignity and respect. He actually affirms her not once but twice as he says this, as she confesses to him, he says, you are right. And at the end, a bit later in that verse, he says, what you've said is quite true. He actually affirms as he's speaking truth into people's lives. I, um, I got this colleague, actually an ex-colleague, she, um, she's, I've known her, she was actually the first person in the work setting that I met when I arrived in Australia, so I've known her about 10 years. Um, and uh, she, um, she's a lovely person, got a beautiful heart, um, and, but she's had some, some, some a pretty, she's had some rough knocks, yeah? So um, a few years ago, I won't go into the details because they're, 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 they're her details, not mine, but um, she, suffice to say there's been some really testing, trying circumstances in her life that have really stretched and grown and, and um, she's had to journey through. Um, at work, I, I changed jobs a while ago and at work... Um, there was this new position emerged. This new position was kind of, it's in the corporate space, but it's kind of on the fringe of like the social justice space and like it's mandated from government and we've got to spend a lot of money and we need some resources who can go and do this in a corporate setting. And someone, someone uh, another colleague of mine, suggested, suggested this, this lady, my friend, um, my ex-colleague. And so she was invited to apply for it, so she applied for this role. Anyway, um, a... Uh, a little time passes and I had a couple of missed calls from her, so I, so I called her back and I just said, um, how you going, Jen? She said, uh, oh, I just, I, you probably, have you heard that I've applied for this role? I um, mean, in working in this, in this corporate kind of social justice -y type space. And I said, um, she knows I'm a Christian, she's probably, she knows I'm a pastor, um, but I haven't had, a, like, I haven't had a lot of you know, faith-based conversations with her, but she knows about me, and she's a friend. And she says, um, she said, what do you think, what's it like over there? She's kind of sussing out, I've been with this company for 10 years, do I move? You've been there a year now, what's the culture like? Kind of all these conversations, and we were just chatting, chatting away about it, and I said, well, I'm enjoying it, you've got to make your own choice, but it's good, it's like I, I'm enjoying ABCD. And just having a general conversation. And then I, then I kind of prayed in it in the back of my mind as we were talking, and she said, so what do you think? And I said, well, Jen, if, this was a, if we were in church, if this was a pastoral conversation, what I'd say to you right now is, actually because of life circumstance, this job's perfect for you. Actually what I see is, what I believe is, that God shapes us through our lives, that God takes us through times of turmoil, of... of 
And, and it's only as we progress out of those and look back, we realise why. And actually what I would say to you is I think God has been shaping you for this role and I think God has been active in your life and it is a God moment that you should step into this role. As the words left my mouth, I was a bit like... Silence. Oh, that's pretty bold then. I wonder how that's going to go. And she said, oh, th- th- thanks, thanks, Ryan. No, no, I really, I really appreciate that. And, um, and the conversation wrapped up. About, um, about two weeks later, she called me back and she'd now she'd applied for the role, she'd got the role and she'd, she was ringing to say, hey, I got this role. And she said... Um, <coughs> thinking, you know, we haven't spoke since I said that pretty awkward thing and there was this silence. Um, but she's still, she's called me back so I didn't scare off too much. Um, and she just said, hey, I haven't stopped. I just wanted to say thank you for what you said. I haven't stopped thinking about that for two weeks. I think you're right. I think God's, God's been growing me. God's shaping me for this. I got off the phone and I was just absolutely stunned that you've got a non-believer saying, you're right, God's been shaping me and growing me in my life. When we, um, when we press in to actually doing this as a church, when we press into doing this as a church, it becomes second nature out there. I started just in the moment. I started with the words... Well, if this was a pastoral conversation, if I was talking to someone in church, what I would say is, and I meant it, it's only because I've had those things said over me and I've said those things over people in the safety of these walls that I was capable of doing it out there. When we start using the new language, this different language that Shane spoke over me, that I've had Mark speak over to me, that I've had Daniel speak over me, that had Christians speak over me, that I've spoke over others in this church. When we start using this language, it'll just become second nature to us. It'll just become the way we live our lives on, on the way from one place to another. And we'll start to share the gospel in a new way. So my, um, my exaltation to you, is that a word? Have I made a word up? No. Is to just step into this. In the safety of these walls. Let's just start living this out as a church. The band's going to come up now. But I'm going to start, but I'm just going to ask you to stand. And I'm just going to start by, I'm going to pray a blessing over us. I'm going to pray um, that God would activate something in our hearts and that we can, start ste- we can start to step into doing this as a community. So that's what I'm going to pray of you. If you feel comfortable, hold your hands out. Close your eyes, steady your hearts. Holy Spirit, we just invite you here this evening. Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, speak to these, to your children, to these men, to these women. Yeah, we invite you now, Spirit, come. Lord, I ask for you to put words on our heart. 
in our minds. Put people, people's names in our lives, on our minds, on our hearts. Give us words of encouragement for the other. I pray that this community will be a community that speak truth, that speak power, that step out boldly with each other, pray into each other's life. May we become a community that embraces prayer, Lord. I pray that you'll put burning prayers on our heart that we can gift other people with in this church. I pray that you'll give us words of encouragement to speak into the lives. I pray that you'll use this group of people's words to activate, to plant new seeds into people's lives, to encourage, to edify, to grow. I pray for the thirsty, Lord. I pray, um, I pray for us as thirsty people that want more of you in our lives, that as people speak into our lives, as we speak into others' lives here in this building, Lord, that you'll have us experience your living water in new ways. And I pray, Lord, for those, maybe there's, maybe there's two or three, maybe there's just one, I pray for those who are thirsty and have not yet tasted your living water. I pray for those people now. I just ask that you'll speak to them now with your spirit. Speak in their minds. I pray that invitation where you say, come in, come home. I pray for the boldness of response, Lord. Yeah, Lord, we just pray your kingdom come, your will be done here in this church as in heaven. Amen.